0: Well, if you're in Alberta, really, there's only two places to be. It's either Edmonton or Calgary. <laughs> and really? That's true. Calgary is kind of the, anyways. Okay. I'll cut that out too, because I don't want to piss off all our, unless you our, like roller coasters, Alberta. then it's Edmonton. Is it? What? Oh, well, West, West Edmonton mall, mall. Right? Right, of course. Fantasyland anyway, or whatever okay. it's called now. i already. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now with all that crap out of the way, um, now you can do the intros and we'll get going.
1: This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything about assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
0: Hey, and welcome to another episode of A.T. Banter. Whoa, what the,
2: you, that was a bit of a premature cowbell there, buddy. Yeah, I'm not uh, even jumping in with a banter on that one. Yeah, that's what
0: that <laughs> uh, Hey, that's okay, Ryan, it happens to guys your age. Uh, hey, <laughs> speaking my of which, name,
3: you have a birthday I, coming up.
0: Ah uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, uh, I am. <laughs> whatever. Uh, hey, <laughs> it's what's yeah you derailed me, you bastard. <laughs> uh, my name is Rob Minot, and uh, joining me in the room, as you can well hear, Mister Ryan Flurry. Hello, Peter Pan.
2: And, and uh, I think Steve Barkley's in here somewhere. Yeah, look at that. I'm the good host, the one that's not stepping on you. Yeah, really. <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, I know he's he's feisty today. Yeah, Friday, he is, he's shot out of a cannon.
0: I uh, well, I know why, I know why? exactly why, because uh, he's really excited to get uh, the new Amazon Astro Home Robot that
2: was announced <laughs> the other day. Actually, I'm not. Is, is this the one that follows you around? Yeah, yeah
0: this is totally, okay, so let's, I, so I got to talk about this, because I call, uh, first of all, I want to say I called this, I knew this was coming, I knew somebody was going to do this, so, this is- yeah uh the other day i guess amazon had a big event is that right
3: ryan like
0: their their version of uh the apple event and the the google event is that right
3: yeah sort of i was hoping to see a whole lot more but yeah it was an invite only it wasn't live streamed anywhere it wasn't a lot of leaks so we all kind of had to wait until they made the announcement that these products were released
0: yeah so they, they came with some some cool ones have you did you hear about this steve
3: no, I paid no attention to this whatsoever.
0: Okay, well here, let's check, <laughs> check this out together and uh, we can we can gauge our interest in some of this stuff. So one of the things that they announced, of course, that I just referenced was the Amazon Astro robot. Uh, it's a new robot that brings AI to your home. Uh, it's going to ship later this year, and it is indeed a robot that can follow voice commands. And it has a camera that it could keep an eye on your home. With a little periscope, uh, it can do it can um, show a live view via the, a mobile app. So if you're away or whatever on vacation, you can you know get it to do a little patrol of your house, and uh, and watch the feed live. Uh, it works um, with your um, your Ring Protect Pro, of course, if you have the Ring doorbell and the Alexa together, which I'm not exactly sure what that is, uh, but it's some sort of a subscription service. Uh, and that's it, uh and it yeah, and it's cute
3: and it, it has a fault though
0: well, the, one of the faults is that it's a thousand dollars that's a fairly big fault, but yes well, what, the, what is well there's
3: that you know one of the benefits of other positives is it does have the ability to detect obstacles, but okay. it will not detect stairs, so it'll throw itself down your stairs uh, <laughs> that's, that's a that sucks that's what i that's what an article I read anyway, so
0: You know, I'll I'll take
3: that with a great assault, but if it can detect obstacles and a door is closed, then you're fine. If the door to the stairway is open, he's probably
2: going to go down the stairs. (laughs) So it follows you around. It can patrol your house. (laughs) But it falls downstairs. Why wouldn't everybody just get a bulldog instead? (laughs) Because it's capable of detecting stairs. It also follows you around and can control your house. That's right.
0: Or I would say like maybe a grandparent. I mean, I feel like the same.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the only downside to the bulldog, of course, is it doesn't respond to voice commands.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's for sure. Hmm. Um, And it does not have a do not disturb feature on it.
2: (laughs) Well, actually, it sleeps most of the time. So, yeah, it does. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um yeah well i really think they missed an opportunity here by not building in a vacuum
2: with it and making it a roomba as well because that's a real missed opportunity too because uh, i was thinking the same thing if it's going to follow you around the house it may as well pick up your crumbs as it goes right absolutely 100
0: <laughs> so i feel like that's coming or maybe it's an add-on maybe maybe they're really sad as an add-on anyways that's cool i knew this was coming if it was a little cheaper i'd consider it but a thousand dollars uh it's a little bit of a higher price point but uh robots people they're coming well black friday's coming coming. black friday's coming so it could drop in price a little bit i'll wait for like the third generation of it when they really like and i'll wait for the google one because you know (laughs) the the google ones going to come and it's going to be cooler than this because uh it's exactly what happened with the with the smart speakers themselves right like wasn't wasn't amazon like kind of the first one out of the gate And they were kind of ahead of the game for a while but then google sort of came in from behind and at least caught up with it i mean some people may even say that it that they overtake overtook them um you know of course that's up for debate but uh they at least caught up with them i would think sure Okay, fine. Okay. And look,
3: let's, 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 moving on. The Amazon smart thermostat. Okay. Big deal. Who cares? Oh, uh, that's a big deal. That's 60 bucks. That's half price of the Google Nest thermostats or any of these other smart thermostats out there. So. Sure. You know, yeah, cool. sure. It's cool. It's cool. Smart thermostat. Uh, accessibility. The Echo- right. What Accessibility.
0: Yes, that's true. Uh, the Echo Show 15. Uh, again, big deal. It's just, you know, a slightly bigger model of the echo show which is of course a um an echo except it has a a screen right
3: this one though hangs on your wall oh does it kind of like a picture yeah
0: oh oh yeah you're right you can mount it on your wall or place it on a stand it has facial recognition for personalized alerts cool Mm -hmm. very cool okay amazon glow which is looks like a very cute kid-friendly smart device because we need to We need to get those kids on the screens, uh, real early. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about this one. Actually, I like, I mean, I guess it's cool, but I don't know. Give them a book. Books are very colorful and they do just the same thing. Uh, the halo view is the, is a fitness tracker. Uh, apparently this is just an upgraded model. Uh, but that looks very cool too. So it's like a Fitbit and there was there was something else here that i was really okay so the drone the drone yes okay so get this steve get ready so I'm ready ring you know the ring doorbell right the security doorbell uh that also has they've also made a drone that can now this article says that it it flies through your house um So I guess it's an indoor thing. When I first read this, I thought maybe it was an outdoor thing. Uh, But no, apparently, I guess it's an indoor thing. And uh, you turn it on, and I guess you leave. And when it hears noises, um, it will fly like a combat air air patrol through your house uh, with a live feed camera. So that, uh, yeah, you can see what the heck's going on. Interesting. Yeah, like a flying robot security guard for your house and it's only 250 bucks much cheaper than the robot yep. and i mean it flies so you don't have to worry about stairs
3: <laughs> will it detect obstacles
0: <laughs> i don't know maybe that's what we should maybe we should add the vacuum to that one uh <laughs> but yeah so i don't know very cool stuff guys we're finally i feel like we're finally getting to the future that we were promised i still want my flying car 2001 we were supposed to be in flying cars and have a mars colony but of course that didn't really happen but now we're working on the mars colony thing and we've got almost got a robot and we've had flying cars yeah so we're getting there been there done that what's next we are getting there (laughs) anyways i just thought i thought some of that was pretty cool um yeah excited, excited to see where things go. And I don't know, I'm excited now to see what Google's presentation is next year, because uh, usually these guys will kind of one up, up each other. So I'm curious to know what Apple or Google has ready to ready to show off at their next event.
3: Here's some news that you may or may not have heard. Jeff Bezos, of course, CEO of Amazon is going into space, I think in October. And did you know that William Shatner is going with him on that flight?
2: Oh, that's Captain, cool.
3: Captain Kirk is going <laughs> to space finally. Good for oh, Captain Kirk. 90 years old. He's going oh my to space. God. Dude, yeah,
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That is pretty cool. I that's did pretty cool. That.
2: And yeah. a Canadian boy. That's right. That's right. First, first geriatric Canadian in space.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. 90 years old and he's going into space. Wow, man. Yeah. Jeez. Huh. Well, there's hope for any of us then. Indeed.
2: Did I ever tell you my William Shatner story? I don't know. I don't think so. So, so I worked with a guy that uh, he, he, he was working at a computer company that we, we were renting a couple of rooms from way back in the day. This is probably Mocha. Probably close to 30 years ago now. And, uh, his parents, uh, moved into a, uh, uh an apartment, uh, which had previously been rented by, by William Shatner. And, uh, this is in Toronto. And, uh, uh, before he left, he, he said, well, you know, the, the stove is, is mine. You know, I bought it. Uh, do you, do you want to buy it from me? And, uh, they said, well, yeah, obviously, we, you know, we want a stove. So they bought the stove from him, and, uh, you know, he he buggered off and I guess went off to make his fame and fortune as an actor. And uh, before they moved out, uh, they made arrangements to take the stove with them and found out from the landlord that, no, the stove belonged with the place. No. <laughs> <laughs> so according to them, Bill Shatner screwed them for the cost of a stove. <laughs> I wonder if that's true. Hmm. If I ever meet the man, I'll certainly ask him.
3: Yeah, really.
0: Wow. Huh. Yeah, we
3: with... went from good news, Captain Kirk's going to space into he's a criminal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was a scam artist back in the day. <laughs>
0: Oh dear. Um,
3: hey Ryan.
2: Yes.
3: Uh what uh what uh what are we doing today? Today we are speaking with a woman by the name of Keisha Mastradimos. Say that 10 times fast. Master Demus, Master Demus, Master Demus, Master Demus,
2: Master Demus. Master Demus Master no, no, no. With, with the keys in front. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rob, yeah, yeah. say Google Google glasses. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I can not even say know, it once.
0: People, when I talk about Google, I'm sure people just think, wow, he's hammered again. <laughs> <laughs> podcast again. No, I just can't say Google. I don't know. I wasn't born with the right palate. Um yeah, I'm excited about this. Uh, I watched her documentary the other night, and uh, it's very cool. Uh, and in fact, um, I'm going to I'm just going to go ahead and plug it right now uh, before I even bring her on. But it's uh, it's on YouTube. You can find it on the AMI Accessible Media channel, uh, but it's called Keisha's Story, A Path to Wellness. And it's really great. And in fact, you know what? I would even recommend if you want, just pause this podcast right now uh, go watch it and then come back to the podcast and because uh, will re- you'll really get a, get a sense of her and a sense of her story but uh, i'm really excited to talk to her and you know not only that um i know that she does have a lot of social media stuff that i, I do want to talk to her about too because she's very active on youtube in terms of um you know posting videos about all the different things that she has to do in her her daily living um, that's really, really cool too. So, you know, we always go on about education on the show and I think that she's really, really, um, making some great strides in social media in terms of, of educating, just, just kind of what,
3: what daily life is like for her. So. And she lives in a cool apartment place as well. Counters that raise and lower, cupboards that come forward and back and yeah, fully, I saw- fully accessible yeah i did i saw that um i saw that youtube
0: video on her channel too yeah it looks really cool mm-hmm. like i didn't even know that there were um counters like that that can that can literally like the entire thing can raise or lower depending on how high you need it like why isn't that just built into like every apartment building like that's really cool i mean i guess they're probably pretty expensive but i want one of those seems reasonable I mean like like no and like I'm, I'm kind of being flippant but I'm kind of not because it's kind of like you know that would be that's definitely a feature that not only would it be you know it would be huge in terms of accessibility for people like in chairs or, or whatever um, but it would also just be a just a great feature for anybody if you could you know think if you could raise or lower your your kitchen counters to just the right height that that is comfortable for you yeah, it's yeah. all about ergonomics
2: and if you would like to do that, please contact Canadian assistive technology. Oh, wait, are, will you come to my apartment and do that for me? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh Populous Furniture makes all that stuff.
0: Oh, really? Oh, oh no way. Okay. Yep. I didn't realize that. Yo, yep. oh, those are the, those are the guys that like, they make the, um, the, a lot of the computer workstations and stuff
2: that are adjustable. Yeah, exactly. Wheelchair accessible computer workstations. They'll so they'll basically make any kind of custom furniture for you.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, that's a great idea too. Huh? Man. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, so I'm excited to, to bring her on. Um, and in fact, I think, I think we should just go ahead and do it. What do you guys think? Let's do it. Ooh. I like your enthusiasm.
3: Let's do it. Joining us now is Keisha Mastodimos. Woo. Keisha, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. I am Ryan Flurry. Joining me as usual is Rob Mano. Hello. Keisha, also joining us is the third wheel. Ha ha ha, Steve Barkley. <laughs> the training wheels. <laughs> I keep them from tipping over. That's right.
0: <laughs> well, why don't we start out in just giving us a little bit of a snapshot of, of who you are and a little bit about your story?
1: Okay. So I am 25 years old. I am a C5, C6 incomplete quadriplegic. After a car accident about uh, eight years ago, when I was 17, I hit a moose in my car and broke my neck. And that is why I'm in a wheelchair. I
3: want to know if you ate the moose.
1: No, I didn't. (laughs) Okay.
2: they are tasty Moose is good absolutely
1: i've heard I don't, I
2: don't think most people outside of you know canada and probably the northern united states understand just how big those moose are there there's a lot of people who get in car accidents and either get injured or killed because the stupid things come right through the windshield or on top of the car yeah uh,
1: well to give guys? you a little bit of a light like i was driving a pontiac sunfire we went right under him wow. that's how big he was like he landed on our roof we went right under his belly
2: yeah crazy yeah, Rick, uh, one of the guys we work with, talks about uh, his uh, his dad who was uh, in the RCMP uh, driving under a moose one night and having the uh, lights ripped off the top of the uh, <laughs> squad car. Wow. Oh my gosh.
0: Wow, okay. Enough about the moose. But yes, tell <laughs> Should've got the moose uh, as well. We could've had a round table. Um, so one of the reasons why we, we, I was excited to have you on, um, was the AMI documentary. Let's start talking a little bit about that. And just because I'm just curious, how did that all come about?
1: Hey, so um I was just on Facebook one time, and I received a message from a lady. And she asked if like, she said that she was an indie filmmaker in Grand Prairie, and that she liked my story and everything and wanted to do a movie about it. initially, because at as I was telling you in the beginning, like I have creepers out the wing wing. Like I have people that want to marry me in Pakistan. I have people like that are loving on my feet here in Canada and like, whatever. So I'm very eerie at first. So I was just like, I think I asked her, I was just like, is this a scam? Like, please tell me that, like, give me something to know that you're legit. And, um, we ended up talking a little bit more and then we ended up meeting up and she was a legit person. So it worked out. And then how she found me is so she does stories for tell us, um, story hive. And this year's theme was, um, a local hero. So what she did was she typed in local hero, grand prairie. And because of everything since my accident, I've been like very out there. I've been doing like public speaking. Um, I was in a lot of news articles, um, bringing awareness to spinal cord injury. And I was, it was in a small town. So I knew absolutely everybody. And, Yeah, it's kind of big news when somebody hits a moose, typical Alberta story, of course. And yeah, so I had everything out there and my name popped up. And so she did a little bit of research, watched some of my YouTube videos and stuff and was just like, yeah, this is a person that I want to document
0: so when she when she pitched the documentary to you, did she kind of have an, an angle that she wanted to, to go with? Like, did she have a story arc and she or did she just kind of show up and film you for a couple of weeks and kind of molded the story on the fly?
1: So actually, the AMI documentary wasn't even supposed to happen. That's not actually the main one that she's doing. Um, what had happened is she came over, she kind of gave us a little bit of a detail. She got my story, what happened. And then she said, I want to highlight a little bit about what happened, but she wanted to focus more on what I'm doing now, um, where I'm going in the future, and all of that. And that was kind of the goal. And then, as we, and then the crew came and we started filming stuff that she, like, she had put her notes on and focus and everything. But then as we were filming, she's just like, we could do bigger, we could do more. And so she approached AMI and was like, hey, if we create a story, if we make something, can we document this and will you publish it? And yeah, they said, sure enough, they said, sure. And then after that, she kind of, as we were filming, she, for the AMI one, she redirected focus and was just like, okay, this is what we're going to do. So I have a love and passion for horses. And one day she was literally just looking and there was a statue that I have of a horse. And then she asked me about it. And then she's like, okay, we're going to put that in there. And then as we got talking more, especially with COVID right now, um, she's just like asked me about my mental health and everything. And that, and then that's when we, she decided, she's like, okay, that's the, that's where we're going to go.
0: Well, and did that kind of scare you a little bit? Because that's, that's really personal. So were you hesitant at first when she pitched it?
1: Absolutely. And I'm not going to lie to you. There was times and it didn't end up on camera, but I, that I cried and that I like it hit home. There were so many times when she would ask me questions. And as a filmmaker, I totally understand you got to You got to get those questions because that's where you get the best content. That's where you get the breaking points and you're just, you can get more out of it and stuff. And, you know, I had not dealt with a lot of the things that she had brought up. And so it was good to acknowledge it. To witness it and then I could deal with it on my own and I did that throughout the film as well and so ever since day one um, of the accident I've always put out my content onto the internet I do um, the things I can and cannot do what I was going through and I had that on YouTube as well as Facebook so to me there was a line and I've always been that person that's super super open you can literally ask me anything and I will tell you and so I really don't have any boundaries but that was stuff again I knew that was going to be published everywhere and that I hadn't really stepped on myself so yes there was a lot of moments that I was hesitant but when I worked through it with her and they didn't care if I cried or anything like it felt good and those were the moments that we bonded the most too like once I shared my stories they were so open with theirs and stuff and it it, it kind of builds the foundation and from, from day one of the accident and everything, I've, I've realized that my darkest times, like my most embarrassing times, when I vocalize those, people begin to share their stories, and then you become less vulnerable, and then those stories become more powerful, and I guess it was a journey, but um, very hard sometimes.
0: Well, and how long did filming take?
1: Um, we started in March, and then we finished in June,
0: Wow, okay. And so and so did you really feel kind of like you were on a journey? Like did the did even just the the act of of filming that and and having some of these moments did you find that you kind of grew as a person throughout the experience?
1: Absolutely. So at the beginning, that was uh when we started filming it was March. That was a year into the pandemic, and at that point I was at my lowest. Um, we weren't really allowed to hang out with friends. We weren't like, I was staying home from work because of the scarcity and that work didn't want to be there. And mentally I was just fighting a battle and to have, so the crew, um, consisted of about three members. It was Mariah, Dave, and Jared. And even to just have them come into my home and have them follow me and have them like, just be around and all this. I, it was, people. It was communication. It was freaking, um, companionship that we, I was lacking for so long. So even that I was thankful for, and that helped me get out of my, um, depression a little bit because we're, we're creatures of that need to be with other people. And when you're alone with all of that, you just spiral, spiral, spiral. So even just in that sense, and then they were able to take me to grand cash And um, Edmonton and like, so that was physio and my horse stuff. So that again was just like, oh, just everything for me. It just, it revived everything that I was lacking in the last year of the pandemic. So 100%, I was able to get my mental health back to like 80% again.
0: Yeah. That's the thing I really loved about the documentary is that I think that it hit on a, a bunch of really, of really key points. And and one of those is because we've been saying here on the podcast for a while that one of the silver linings, I guess, of COVID is it it's shone a light on some real problems, um, especially within the disability community. And one of those is was this this idea of isolation, especially when it's you know you're a community that it, you're already isolated even at the best of times a lot of the time, and so COVID really amplified that and and that. Then shone a light on the real uh, link between, I think, mental health and disability, and and because we, you know, there really needs to be options for people, you know, when when caregivers can't come because of COVID and all all of these things, you can't you can't get out and socialize like you can normally, and so you know, I, I, that's why I really think the, the the documentary is important because it really shines a light on those things and really. You know, you hope that somebody's paying attention to that, and and we can do something about that.
1: No, absolutely, and I think um, overall, so everybody that goes through a traumatic experience doesn't have to be the fact that you end up in a wheelchair or whatever. You get the second chance to stop, prioritize what's important in life, stop and slow down, and realize that life isn't about working all the time and like go 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 go. And I think COVID kind of hit that at, for everybody for all the people in the universe, like you had to stop, you had to stop working and all this. Like, so you get a different mind reset. And I think that that was so important. And yeah, just like you said, like the things that you wouldn't even know. So I actually got COVID back in January and at the, um, because my home care ladies weren't able to come in to see me because literally when I got COVID, my symptoms were, I just lost my taste and smell. And um, I was super tired. That was it. I had to go to the hospital and stay there for a week because my home care ladies didn't want to come in. And when I took up a hospital bed that somebody else could have used the resources, somebody else could have used. And I would have way rather stayed at home. But again, like you said, because caregivers cannot come in or don't want to come in.
0: One of the other things that I, that I really liked about the documentary and, and that it's kind of shone a light on that we've kind of been yelling from the rooftops all the time here on the podcast is accessibility. And it it really pissed me off. There's a scene where you and your mom are trying to find um, an accessible hotel room in Edmonton. And, you know, it takes up like 10 minutes of the documentary just trying to trying to find one. And it's so infuriating to me that we still live. We're here in the 21st century. We have all this technology. And yet something as simple as build environments we're still shitting the bed on because, um, it's, it's so ridiculous to even just try to find a, a, a hotel room. Was, was that particular scene in the movie, was that sort of left in intentionally to sort of drive that point home? Or was it just more, he was just trying to document that aspect of your, of your life.
1: No, so 100%, it was meant to shine light on that. She wanted to shine light on all the inaccessibility. Um, so actually what they did is um, all three of them, of the um, the producer, like Jared, uh, Mariah and Dave, all spent a day in a wheelchair to see kind of what inaccessibility is, kind of like you've seen Dave in the film doing. And so she wanted to document that she wanted to be a part of that and to see how hard it is and like how um ridiculous but another thing too is what's accessible to one person is inaccessible to another so what works for me ain't gonna work for somebody else and I find that they're consulting these people are consulting able-bodied people on what is accessible so when they build these rooms and stuff they are having the wrong demographic come in and test these things out and put their opinions on what is accessible. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's a whole other thing you know. And yeah, it's ridiculous how much more effort that we have to put in when literally if you start, things can work for both able-bodied people and people with disabilities. You have that middle ground. It's just gonna cost a little bit more and it's just gonna be a little bit different, but it's really not that hard to implement.
0: Yeah, it really isn't, Uh, you know, but I think at the end of the day, you know, what really needs to happen is it just all needs to be mandated. I think that, you know, they've they've put it out there to a lot of places that, you know, it's the right thing to do, but people just aren't going to do necessarily the right thing, um, especially if it's going to cut into their bottom line. So I think that, you know, that's. You know, that whole, you're right, that, that's a whole other rabbit hole that we could get down and talking about the Accessible Canada Act and just, you know, what, what we really need to do to, to build an accessible nation. Um, but, I mean, that, that does sort of go back to the conversation about um, being isolated and how hard it can be um, on a daily basis to just go about your life when you're in a chair, for example. Um, and I think that that's one of the, the really important things about not only about the documentary, but, but about your presence on social media. So I wanna talk a little bit about that because what, what was your, the kind of plan when you first started becoming involved heavily in social media? I mean, had you, had you been in pretty heavily into it um, before the accident, and then that just kind of carried through, or did you always kind of wanna be in that advocacy space and that education space?
1: Oh, absolutely not. Uh, Before the accident, uh, I only use Facebook and platforms like that for teenage attention, for boys, for whatever, that kind of stuff. Um, I find that once I got in the car accident, due to my personality, due to my support system and everything, I kind of, and us wheelchair people, we say this most of the time. I was talking to my other girlfriend about it, and we, we're chosen to be injured because of who we are and the fact that we can handle it. We take on these responsibilities to show, cause we're gonna make a difference. And that's exactly why I chose to do it now. Because when I got in the car accident, I had absolutely no idea um, about people in wheelchairs. I thought if you were in a wheelchair, you were old or you were dying. That was my knowledge. And so I try to give other people that same grace, but being in a small town, Um, I decided that I was going to take that upon myself and I was going to change the stereotype around people in wheelchairs because like, and that's the reason why I go to work. That's the reason why I go to school. That's the reason why I'm on this social media and stuff is because I've seen the positive effects that it has. So like when I go to work, um, and again, it was brought to my attention, the over, um, what did he say? Overcompensation for people and kids, because I know, so take for instance, kids are, kind of scared of me at first, but as soon as I draw a smiley face on their receipt, as soon as I greet them or like give them a smile or something, that changes their opinion of people in wheelchairs forever. And I know the fact that they won't be as hesitant next time. Same with um, adults. I know I can see it. um, When there's two lines, there's me and an able-bodied person at uh, Costco. They immediately go to the person um, that's able-bodied. So I put myself out there and I'm just like, okay, Keisha, like, so I say, hey, I can help you. So they're going to come to me this time. And then the next time they're just going to come to me uh, regardless. And you break that stereotype of, yes, we can work. Yes, we can talk. Yes, we're normal people. And I think that each day you can change one person's life. And sometimes that's literally the only reason that I get out of bed in the morning is so that I can, we can help change the world one person at a time into seeing that, like, we're such assets. Like we are just normal people. As I'm talking about this, I just feel like I'm like boosting my ego or something like putting things up my ass, but that's not what I'm trying to say. But, uh, but we'll
2: blow yeah. the smoke up your ass for you. It's okay. Just carry on. <laughs> I
1: appreciate it. I that's appreciate what we're here it. For. Blow, blow up my ego a little bit more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's such an interesting conversation too, because, you know, and it goes back to the, to what they always say is that, The key to it is that you want people to see the person first and the chair second, not the other way around. And that's just it seems to be against human nature or at least it's against how society has sort of built this image of disability. Because I think that the bottom line is that for a lot of people, um, there's a little bit of discomfort when when they're um, when they're sort of confronted with disability um, for the first time, especially. So I think that, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that that is very important work. And I think that, you know, this this stuff in in social media is also very, very important because it gives people that sense of what your lived experience is like. Um, We talked to a guy not too long ago named um, Andrew Gerza, and he's a disability advocate advocate, um, back east. And he said something really interesting. He was like, you know, you only hear about disability when it's sensationalized. And that really kind of struck a chord with me because it's it's kind of true because really generally, you know, disability is for those oh those inspirational stories or somebody who's doing something really really super unique or superhuman even, um, or it's uh, some sort of a um, controversy or it's you know the some something around accessibility fails or but it's always sensational. It's never just about hey this person in a chair went to the grocery store and you know what. They nothing was inaccessible because, you know, because all the curb cuts worked and stuff like you. We we don't ever really get a sense of that just day to day lived experience because you're just a normal person. You're not out there looking to to change the world necessarily or climb Mount Everest, although maybe that would be cool. I don't know. But like generally, you're just trying to live your life. And that's what ninety nine point nine percent of people with disabilities are just trying to do. And I feel like that's part of what a really big piece of of the education is. And that's where I I really see the uh, channels like social media channels like yours um, being really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know I heard this one time, my friends say that we're not here to be your inspiration. Like that's not our end all goal. Um, But yeah, you're exactly right. Like, when we come to people's attention, it's always these famous, these awesome people that are doing great things, but no, literally, and like going out, like when we, I go out to the bars or I go out to the freaking grocery store, I go out to work, people constantly come up to us and just be like, oh, it's so good to see you out and about. Like, excuse me, do you want me to stay in my house and hibernate for the rest of my life? Like, I hate that one. Or, oh, it's so nice that Costco hired you. Are you serious? Like,
2: oh, no The other the other one we hear on a fairly regular basis, particularly it seems from our blind customers is, I'll pray for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: Yeah, the interesting thing about it, too, is that, you know, and I think I think it was in the documentary. I heard the the 15 percent statistic of, you know, 15 percent of people in the world are, you know, have a disability of some sort. Um, But really, if you extend that out to um, people who will eventually have a disability at some point in their life or know somebody with a disability or have a family member or a loved one or whatever that number skyrockets to like 75 80 percent so you know there's a really 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 good chance that all of us are going to be faced with disability in one form or the another eventually so it's really stupid as a species to really be shying away from that or to be you know creating stigmas or or anything else like really we should be leaning the other way and just building the most accessible society that we can possibly have because it's going to benefit the most people and we've had oh yes
3: we've had decades of role models we had terry fox we had rick hansen we had our own vancouver city mayor who was in a wheelchair you know there's been so many people through generations that have had disabilities that this, is, this shouldn't be a shock to anybody that we're out and about and that we're capable people.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And then um, the other one is, when are you going to walk again? Like <laughs> people think that that's the end goal, like honestly. And then like when you, it brought up, when you said the praying thing, everybody will, pr- Oh, I pray you walk again. Oh, I pray you walk again. No, I am in pain right now, or I'm going through this and this ask me what I'm, I actually care about. Like, Life is not about walking. I don't care if I ever walk again. Like that's not, I just, that one, that one gets me a lot.
3: Yeah, I'm totally blind myself, Keisha. And so people have asked me from time to time, if you could, would you like to see again? And I'm torn on that. I don't know because I'm a different person than I was before I lost my sight. Um, I'm a better person now that I have no sight. So I don't know if I'd want to go back.
1: Right. Absolutely. And then at that point, too, is I find I don't know if you feel this way too if to parallel it with you. If you gained your sight back, if I started walking where we lose, I'm not going to lie, we lose our story. We lose our essence. We lose our ability to touch people, to have people approach us, to change the world a little bit. Like, I don't know if you feel that way, too, but that's kind of my thing on yeah. that.
3: Yeah, my bl- my blindness definitely changed who i am and i like i like i mentioned i'm a better person sure there are things i'd like to do and i'd love to be able to drive again absolutely there's definitely places i'd like to go and see visually but at the same time um i don't know the person i was before i lost myself was a dick <laughs> i don't <laughs> i don't want to be that person shut up steve
2: I said, nothing.
3: I said nothing i said something but my mic was muted so Excellent.
0: <laughs> and besides you keisha you would lose all your your fan base in pakistan if that's uh, right in pakistan, so i want to have that yeah. Um, yeah um so how often do you post on social media and, and what's that kind of process like for you? Do you is it something that you enjoy or do you have to work at it
1: depends. I'm running out of content. Like I feel like I've done the same stuff all the time. And then I kind of just live my life and I don't think anything that I do is extraordinary or like interesting for people. So I struggle with like trying to think of content to post that people are going to actually want to watch. Um, but I try to post as much as I can and that's up to date and like interesting and whatnot. But yeah, I struggle when I'm not, when I'm kind of like plateaued and that's the thing, like with you bringing it up, the sensationalism, like do I, should I just post mon- mundane things like my everyday things? Or do I have to wait for something big to happen to post it?
0: Yeah, I hear that. Well, I mean, one of the things that I found interesting that that you had posted to your, to your YouTube channel was um, you giving a, a bit of a tour of your apartment that's fully accessible, which I thought was really cool. And so what I'm curious to know about is kind of what how like because it must have been it must have kind of blown your mind in a way to go from like say a, a one or two bedroom place that in an apartment building that's not really built accessibility wise a to one that's completely built accessibility wise what was that like
1: well okay so in grand prairie we had for amenities in our apartment building was a mail room that was about it. And then my apartment there, I had two bedrooms and then they had some accessibility, some stuff that, um, I don't have here, but to come here. So first she showed me the entire building with all the amenities. I was floored. They had like the amount of like community that they wanted to bring in. And the fact with the accessibility too, they went above and beyond in like, even when I moved in, um, the lock didn't work for me with my quad hands, so I brought that to their attention. They immediately went out, bought a two hundred dollar lock that worked for me. So they're very open into like because they don't a hundred percent know because they're able bodied people, and they said anything that doesn't work, you tell us and we'll fix it. So having that on in your pocket is, I, I feel like the whole world needs that. Just the just to be open, just to listen, and yeah, they went above and beyond, and that floored me and mom, like going from Grand Prairie, this small-minded, no offense, close-minded community in that they're stuck in their old ways and that, um, the buildings are older and whatnot to here, to being able to be a little bit of flexible, even to what they already have, like cupboards coming down with a button, um, the, oh my gosh, cupboards and countertops coming down and everything and like things that you wouldn't have even thought of. And yeah, that's just everything. That's everything for a person with a disability is to just have someone listen and be open to trying to make our lives just a little bit easier.
0: Yeah. And and again, I, I think that this really goes back to, you know, just how important accessibility is because when, when your world is opened up like that, you know, it takes away this, this feeling of isolation that, that we were talking about earlier with COVID, right? Because, you know, you think back to, to, to when we were talking about that you know he, if it wasn't such a huge pain to just get out there in the world um and do things um you, you know i think that a lot of people wouldn't feel so isolated and that's that's why like you know talking about you know accessible build spaces um is just it's so so important because because of these reasons like and i, I think that a lot of people don't necessarily realize just how big of a problem it is like you know you can't just go like just decide oh you know what let's just go to the pub let's go to whatever whatever pub it is like there's all these questions that you have to ask like okay does it ever ramp is it you know how is it laid out are the bathrooms accessible like there's all these things that i'm sure that you have to worry about that people don't necessarily understand about that lived experience that and that's the stuff that I feel like we need to get out there in the public so that people begin to take accessibility um, seriously and not just it's just about a wheelchair ramp and curb cuts
1: no exactly and then so they even if they have those things and they have certain things in place that they think are wheelchair accessible, it's still causing um, isolation because I'll give you two examples. One, the movie theater in Grand Prairie, they're accessible. I can get in there. I can get into the theater. But they have a section for people in wheelchairs, and they have a section for able-bodied people. So, and then it depends which theater you get. Some of them are only wheelchair accessible. So I have to sit with everybody I don't know that has all these disabilities. We're in one spot where everybody else is in other spots. So, and then in a different theater, I have one spot and then one seat beside me so I can only bring one friend that can sit beside me. So, they think that they're being wheelchair accessible, but they're not. And then so in Grand Prairie, um I was going to uh Better than Friends and they have two sections. They have the pool tables all at the bottom and then they have um, a bar up there. And I didn't really care to go to the bar station. I was more so interested in all the pool stuff. So I never, and I'm not that type of person to be like, yo, get around your place is inaccessible. You're an asshole do this. But I started going there like basically once a week, um, uh, for like months. And then I came in one time, the owner took it upon himself because he didn't want me to feel isolated. He wanted me to be a part of everything. And like all the other people with disabilities as well. And bought and got made an aluminum ramp, which is like five pounds to pick up and put there and it can easily store it. And yeah, he's like, that didn't take much effort at all. And now everybody's included. Everybody can get up there. So I don't know. It just, it depends. It depends.
0: So, talk to me a little bit about about sort of the the advocacy work that you do and the public speaking and stuff. Um, what kind of stuff do you do? And and um, yeah, how, how important it is is it to you?
1: Oh man, that's literally like my saving grace. I um, if you guys have ever heard of the Party Program or the Dare Program, it's kind of bringing awareness to drinking and driving and the harms with it and everything. But basically, you get. Um, there's also a part of it where you get an injury, you get um, a disability for a day. Um, and then at the end of the their day, they see the car crashes, they see all this. And I know it's not super, super relevant to me because mine was not drinking and driving or whatever, but it still shows you the um, dangers of driving and all this, and then relates it back to the disabilities. So what I used to do is I was the guest speaker for all of those. I got to do 10 every May to talk to 200 grade nines um each time and basically you bring attention to the dangers of driving and then my injury because i was just a regular person i wasn't no fancy prep school person like i just i lived my life just like every single one of them so they can kind of relate to ev- to some parts of my story like Each one of those 200 students could relate to one part of my story, something in there, like, um, whether it was because they played sports because I played football, whether it was you drove this certain vehicle, you lived here, whatever. So those were my favorite favorite. I would go in there. I would talk about before the accident, the accident, and then everything I learned or had to relearn, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, everything in there. I talk about my most vulnerable moments. Like, honestly, like I, As soon as this is kind of the turning point, I realized in there is so because of my injury, I lost my ability to control my bowels or bladder. So that's shit and piss for you guys. And at that point, I watch everybody like snap in and they're just like, holy shit, like that could be me. Holy shit, this girl's gone through a lot. Like, and at 17 years old, to shit your pants, like literally the worst thing that you could ever do. And To provide that vulnerability and to provide that insight is just, that's why I'm on this earth. That's why I'm here. I'm to be that uh, whatever inspiration to be that. Yes, it could always be worse. And I do that myself. Like I'll put myself in a position. I'll look at somebody and be like, okay, I have to be happy because I could be worse. And man, those speeches were everything to me. And to hear, I have had people come up to me years and years and years later and be like, I heard your story. This part resonated with me and it changed my life. Oh, I heard your story. And like, I want to be better. Or like, I'm going into this field of work now. Like, oh man, those, yeah, 100%. Those for me and for other people, like that's everything.
0: Yeah, and even like i I remember at the at the opening of the documentary you said something that really that really uh struck me too um even just in my in my own life um you said you can't control what happens to you but you control how you deal with it and like that's that's one of those things where it's just like oh my god like yeah that's so that's you're so right but at the same time it can be so incredibly hard to do because we're just we're creatures we want to control things and we get pissed off when things don't go necessarily go our way and we spend way too much time uh keying in on that but I think that you're right like things like your story and and you know your lived experience what that does for other people is it helps put their own things into perspective and go well Jesus Christ like if 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 keisha can do all of that well then god what am i doing whining about traffic i think that goes beyond even like disability it's just all about just like all of us just being human and it's you know that's that's kind of the beauty of it i think is that we're all just you know humans just trying to connect and do the best that we can every day
1: oh yes and that's sometimes that's all you can live for man is like depending on what you're going through in your life you cannot look too much ahead like you literally live day by day sometimes minute by minute and you take life with a grain of salt and you just have to keep in mind, you hold on to the positives and the negative circumstances and you're, you just have to keep saying, OK, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Or, yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse.
0: So my other question, too, is that you, you part of the documentary is is all about exercise and, you know, you you going to that uh, gym, the adapted gym or no. So I guess it's, it's, a, re- it's a, it was a rehab gym, right? Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah and so the, and that whole exercise corner the the hand cycle um like how's all that going like are you, do you are you still into that or was a lot of that for the documentary and you're after that you're just like well f- that i'm not, I'm not doing <laughs> exercise anymore how's that going
1: <laughs> yeah okay good job good job Call me out Call me out so, uh- <laughs>
0: no it, it's okay trust me how you you have no idea how many times i've tried jogging so like just feel like, so bad
1: exercise is just shit i'm just gonna put that out there exercise is shit and they tell you, they teach you in the very beginning you need to do physio like nonstop and, or you're going to deteriorate. And as a smart ass minded person I was, I was like, as if I'm 17 years old, now 25, whatever. um I'm going to be fine. I'm going to exercise lots. You can get exercise in a lot of different ways if you catch what I'm feeling. um But <laughs> I actually am very, very badly. So I slacked um, and I haven't been doing exercise. I haven't been doing physio at all. And now like even... So, um, while I'm in my wheelchair, as I try to pull myself forward like this, just to like bend my top half over my knees, like I get so stiff. Um, when I try to sleep at night, I'm spasming like crazy and I am deteriorating because I'm not doing physio. So good job for calling me out. I'm actually at my physio thing right now. That's why I asked how long this was because at two, I have to go do physio. So as annoying as it is, Exercise is key for this life or you will deteriorate badly. So, yes, I need to do more.
3: So, Rob, that just means you jog to subway, not walk. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's you your inspiration. Lane. That's right.
0: It is true. Uh, he's he, Ryan knows me far too well. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to talk a little. So that the hand cycle, I was intrigued by that, too. That looks really hard to do. Was that how, how was that?
1: Okay, I want you guys to take a guess at how long you think that we filmed that for and how long I was on the hand cycle for.
0: Like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. I'm
2: going to go with 17 and a half seconds.
1: Okay, Ryan.
3: I'm going to say it probably took four hours to film and you were probably on it for five minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so because of how hard it was, because of how lazy I am and how strong I am not, I was literally on that hand cycle for probably five minutes when we filmed it like me rolling like that I probably rolled for less than five minutes but it was so (laughs) hard and what we realized is at the end of it I was on the hardest level and that's (laughs) why I couldn't get very far I was like are you you kidding me (laughs) but it was so fun and that gave me more inspiration to like want to get stronger and everything but um I'm just lazy as and that's, that's my bad.
2: (laughs) I noticed, uh, uh, you were into horses, uh, beforehand. Have you been able to get back to doing stuff with horses?
1: hundred percent. Yeah. So before the accident, I did like, I traveled all around Alberta. Um, I was with horses most of my life until cars and boys, of course, then you just kind of lose it. But then, um, after the accident, I didn't really think it was possible, but that was like a piece of me. That was like, huge in my life. So I kind of advocated a little bit trying to get it out there and everything and everything just fell through. So it wasn't until I started doing one of those party program speeches in uh, Grand Cache when a firefighter reached out to me and he was just like, yo, we have a farm down here. Like you should go check it out and blah, blah. And then we did. And then I got my love back again. And like, we went and met them once the next day. um, They said, Kate, come back. We did a pulley system in the trees and we're going to get you on a horse. So to have that community to love horses just as much as I did, and for people that I didn't even know at all, to go above and beyond like that, just to get me back on a horse, just to get me back a little bit of um, my freedom, a little bit of my happiness was absolutely outstanding. And man, you guys, like being on a horse, like you can't tell that I'm in a wheelchair. You can't, like all my problems just go away. And you're just there in that moment with the horses. So like, Horses are everything to me and they're my saving grace. They're my, uh, that's just my outlet and stuff. So yeah, to have a little bit of that back was just incredible.
0: I want to give you a chance to plug all your uh, social media channels um, for sure. Uh, where can people find you online if they're so inclined?
1: Okay. So for people that have Facebook, I have my Facebook recovery page called Keisha's Road to Recovery. I try to post um most of my YouTube videos on there, everything that's going on with my life, good, bad. And that's the other thing is I'm very raw. So if I'm having a bad day, if I'm going through something really shitty or whatever, I will post that because I find, like we were saying earlier, the sensationalism, I feel like it's important to show every aspect of the life, not just the good. And whether that's a day that I'm shitting my pants, peeing my pants, like whatever, going through UTI, whatever it's on there. Um, and then I have, again, if you have fetishes in Pakistan, if you want to follow me and you want to marry me one day, go on YouTube and it's just, uh, Keisha Mastodemus, um, I do TikTok. I'm trying all different angles on there to try to get famous. It's not working very well. And I think that's like wheels XO. And I think those are most of them, I believe that are like public, public.
0: Shout out to all our listeners in Pakistan right
1: now. <laughs> Y'all are going to get a boost on this last one. Awesome. If you, if we'll you take talk it. about my feet, if you talk about like bare feet and spasms, that'll just be, even put wow. the word bare feet on there. You'll get a spike.
3: Yeah. Is that hot for, for some, some guys?
2: I don't know that we want that spike. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take, take it, you Steve. That. That's oh, about yeah. We're, we're right. not proud. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> oh man, men are so weird. I don't really uh, it. We're weird. Anyways, um, Keisha, we'll a,
3: sorry, I was just gonna say we need to do a, a disability podcast about feet.
0: Okay, sure. I mean,
3: yeah, everything about feet: cleaning feet, washing feet, dirty feet, st- stinky hey, Ryan, feet.
0: Ryan, oh, you're no. beginning to scare me now.
1: <laughs> or do do a dating one, man? Like. Men are pigs. So, I also do an Instagram one where it's called Wheels Life XO, yeah. where because I've been on dating sites for six years and the right. shit they say, oh my God.
0: <laughs> okay. 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 I'm going to subscribe now because I'm super. Do it. You will
1: die. You will die at what these people say.
2: Wow. That's crazy. This is this is Instagram. Sorry, what this what's... is
1: Instagram. Wheels Life XO.
2: Wheels Life XO.
1: Yeah,
3: oh, there's going to be a podcast episode on that. I can see it coming.
1: Uh, please. I will. Okay. I would love that.
3: Will you come okay. back for that?
1: Duh. <laughs> I'll call those guys
0: out. All right. Okay. It's excellent. Awesome. Well, is, that, could be a, that could be a two-parter. This be
3: great.
0: <laughs> all right. Keisha, listen. It's been an absolute delight talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, best of luck with all the channels. Uh, best of luck with Physio. And yeah, I please come back and, and see us anytime you'd like.
1: Thank you. And I just seen Steve already subscribed. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> it doesn't I'm there. surprise I'm
3: me.
0: <laughs> I get, off the, I
2: get off the call first. That's man. the
3: rest of his day. Steve's now on Instagram, Wheels Life XO.
2: Bye, I gotta, Steve. I gotta see what kind of horrors. <laughs> There's gotta be horrors on this for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh, I see. You've posted a whole bunch of messages. Oh boy, yeah, that's going to be oh. fun reading.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. All right, let's let let's let her get to physio, you guys. All right. All right take care, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, bye bye. I
2: mean Ciao.
0: Bye. Oh man. That was, oh man. It's so If only. See, this is what we need. We need to break into the the um, Pakistan market. The Pakistan foot fetish market, guys. This is, this is how we're going to get our numbers up. <laughs> uh, we need to start getting
2: some pictures of our feet. We, well, uh, we, were, we were talking about a new podcast name. What if we called it the Barefoot Podcast? We'll get all the fetish people on board.
0: You know what? That's a great idea. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. And instead of like headshots, we'll just do foot
3: shots. Ryan's feet. <laughs> <laughs> My feet. Bare feet, soft. Amazing. feet, painted feet. It,
0: who knew? Who knew the freaky people out there? Maybe the studio. you just gotta get whatever market we can get, we we'll just claw our way into. We're not Lucky. we have no pride. We have no shame. Uh, that was that was so cool though. Uh, I loved I love talking to her. We have to have her back on, Ryan.
3: Okie dokie, we will do so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so refreshing to hear somebody who's just so open and and you know to talk about. Their lived experience, because I feel like that really does help a lot of people, um, not only themselves to, to open up, um, but I think that it's, it's a really great educational piece for people who really don't know anything about what it's like to, to live with a disability.
3: Well, and just letting people know, as we do with pretty much any show we have with a guest, talking about the difficulties we all go through in our daily lives, whether it's mental health issues, whether it's depression, whether it's accessible living, you know, we we've touched on so many topics, thanks to the guests that we've had on our show that anyone listening to pretty much any of our episodes will glean something from that. That's right. So more people need to listen. That's right. We need some, need some marketing push done.
0: Well, there you go, everybody. That's right. Well, you know, people could leave us a review on iTunes, and that would really help us out. Just saying, just saying, no pressure. But
2: yeah, we we get very few reviews. I've noticed that on uh, the different platforms. I wonder how accessible those review features are. Yeah, yeah, because we can. I mean, pretty much all of the podcast platforms uh, you can you can leave a review on, right? It's true. Yeah, yeah. and we're and we're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So leave reviews everywhere, folks. Just, just get out there and review us. You know? Only if it's good, of course. If it's bad, we don't want to know, but, you know.
0: Yeah, that would really help us out. Although I've got a VPN, so I could actually, conceivably, I could just make a
2: zillion accounts and just... <laughs> start, start bouncing all over the place. These guys are awesome. Nick up some fake names. A little bit of self-promotion. Next thing, we're winning awards. It's like, we'd like to thank ourselves. Well, that's the other thing, is if you know of anybody
3: who has podcast awards, because there are a bunch of them out there, nominate us.
2: Yeah. Damn straight. We're awesome. We yeah. Or two. Or any. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Basically what we're saying here, folks, is we're begging you to get us some publicity. <laughs> we're not proud.
3: Hashtag AT Mantor rocks.
2: <laughs> there you go. Hashtag where's
3: That's right.
0: Hey, look, somebody just left us a review. IP Freely. <laughs> That's a review thanks really five stars <laughs> thanks ip uh, man Oof, man all the shilling is making me tired okay well uh let's get out of here boys uh hey ryan rob uh where can people find us they can find us online at at they can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell atvanter.com.
2: And we're also all over social media. We are worldly wide famous on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and because of today's podcast, shortly Tinder.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. Swipe right, ladies. Um, <laughs> or, or gents, whatever. We don't care. Unless you like our feet. Um, hey, Ryan. Rob. Uh, I heard a rumor. Another one? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I heard that we have
3: a phone number that people can call
0: to we leave us a message. We do indeed.
3: We do. They can get in touch with us by calling 1-844-996-4282. If they leave us their name, their message, and if they give us their permission, we may play it on an upcoming episode so leave us a message yell at us
0: tell us we're great do whatever you want just don't try to sell us a timeshare in somehow because we're not buying that we already we, we fell for that last year and uh it was terrible worst trip ever
2: yeah yeah i really didn't like the swamp
0: all right well i think that is gonna about do it for us this week thanks everybody for listening in big thanks of course to keisha for joining us and
2: we will see everybody